Today I'm talking with Leslie Wolf, founder and teacher of the Fresh Faces Stand-Up Comedy Workshop, who can be found making people laugh and enjoying themselves at the world-famous Hollywood Improv. Named the Comic Flepper by LA Weekly's Top 100 People in the LA Issue, Leslie has helped so many people over the years find their comedic voice and creates a fun, nurturing environment for them to showcase their work. Welcome to I Remember, a podcast about the power of reminiscing to increase your self-esteem and sense of meaning in life. I'm Eileen Fine. Through conversations with guests from the worlds of art, nature, science, and culture, I take you on a journey of these kinds of mindful moments that are unique to each of us, but experienced by all of us that have changed the course of our lives. All designed to give you a feel-good feeling and help you be mindful of your own moments of self-resilience and connection. That opportunity starts now. This is I Remember. Hey, Leslie. Hi, nice to talk to you so early on a Saturday. I know, I know, and to not just be talking about our kids, right? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for doing this with me today. Um, sure. So, tell us about what year are you taking us to? What was happening at that time? I think the year two thousand. Well, it's going to be the year two thousand fourteen, mm-hmm. where I finally, at age forty three, had my beautiful daughter Abigail. And, uh, see, 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 we were talking about kids. I can't wait three minutes before going back to her. But that was a very integral year for me and a very transitional year because I went from being like this sort of selfish, narcissistic, stand-up comic lady to my world just all narrowing in to caring for a child. It was just a, it was an interesting year. Yes. I I can relate. I can relate. (laughs) Um, and then, so, you know, during that time, I know whenever anybody thinks about you, anyone that knows you or even just sees you and the work that you do, you're just like this incredible, you're like a, a, a planet into yourself of just sunshine that you just radiate, you know, joy. But I know that that was a hard time for you as well, even though there was a lot of joy and a reasons to be happiness that for you, it was also a really challenging time too. Well, it's interesting. We chatted about this a little bit too. It's it's that my normal state of being is fluffer. I love to support people. I love to connect with people. I love to help people. I love to examine other people's lives, and I have a lot. I show a lot of interest in the world around me, and and don't really think about myself too much. It's kind of a defense mechanism. It's a it's a way that that's where I feel my comfort zone in in. This year, I was only thinking about myself, and that was so overwhelming. Um, I had had a couple medical issues when I was pregnant. I had to get my thyroid removed, so there was something after Abby's birth called thyroid storm. So I was having a very super high thyroid, so it, it led to a bunch of just, you know, imbalances hormonally in, in my body that just, you know, wreaked havoc. So. I actually wasn't able to access my humor center. Like, there there was no accessing it. So it was a very interesting time. Yeah. 
And it is interesting because, you know, I, t- I talk about this with uh, in the work I do with breathwork is that we, we rely upon our minds so much, you know, or like the one thing that no matter what can always get us out of a situation. For a lot of people, that's like intellect that you can just make it up on the fly and get yourself out of it. But there's certain situations in life that that just doesn't work and you have it's, to. Yeah, it's funny, just the ability to escape, to use imagination, creativity, yeah. that creativity, creativity force in your brain, an area in your brain um, does not work. I was dealing with some severe postpartum depression and I know a lot of women don't talk about it and I had never experienced depression in my past. I may have been prone to having it there, you know, under the surface because I did exhibit what people might consider the opposite of depression, like extreme happiness or or ability to do multiple things at once, which, you know, I I was never a panic person, but I was somebody who was just had extra energy because of my hyperthyroidism. People would pay for what I had, you know, naturally because Mm -hmm. they'd be like, God, I'm exhausted just watching you run one show. How do you run three shows? It was, I actually felt more comfortable multitasking and doing a million things than not having anything to do. So when I was having the postpartum depression, I something in the brain shifts in such a way that actually the things, the go-to things that you would go to for joy and fun and relief would cause anxiety. And, and it was so peculiar. That was the one part of postpartum depression that I think people don't talk about and that they might not even have done enough research about, but the wires in your brain are so misconnected that something like I'm a huge Barry Manilow fan I hate to admit that publicly but I love me some Barry Manilow like I would say hey if I'm ever feeling down I'll put on some Barry I'll feel great but when I was having my postpartum I hear a Barry Manilow song and I'd have extreme anxiety fear regret I'd go back and think about what my life was before what this 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 all, all this stuff and it was literally so op- it was like opposite day it was like all the stuff you could go to that would you normally be a relief would be anxiety inducing. So it was, it was so it was fascinating, and and that goes for friends too. The the friends that you could go to for relief, for fun, for escape would be unrecognizable. So it, that that was a very scary time. Yeah, I'm sure, and that's when like the ground just doesn't feel solid anymore. And um, but you know it's it's a it's a hard time to move through that you obviously did move through. Um, and I think when I'm working with other people that talk about things that are um, not exactly the same, but a same kind of feeling is that it it's an opportunity for us to remember how we're whole, that we're not just that one part of ourselves that we rely upon so much and that we put a face to and that's the role that people see us in. But that yeah. we're People felt very uncomfortable seeing me that in this role in, in- to a point where they couldn't really even understand how to communicate with me in, yeah. in that space. Yeah, because you didn't fit into the role in their lives where they had kind of put you as, this is what she is within all the things that I define myself as. You know, our brains naturally do that. They kind of put everybody into cubbies or put things in it, organize things to help our world seem sane. But that's not really the way things are. Um, and that goes for family too. You know, you, you think your mother or your or or people in your life would act a certain way, and then you see they act a different way, and that in itself is scary. That cracks the foundation of feeling safe and feeling um, worthy. And my daughter's father was 
stuck with me through the entire time, but it, it must have been extremely traumatizing to see somebody. It's like you, you buy a, a Maserati and all of a sudden you're, dri- you're driving a VW, although I love the VW, I'm a VW girl. But I'm saying you, you it's kind of like, yeah, oh, I didn't sign up for this. Like nobody can know what, what could happen to you emotionally that could change, and it's a big testament to see if your partner will stay with you through all that stuff. It's so interesting. Yes, I know, and it is funny that it um, it allows an opportunity for, you know, I, we talk about moments of connection, which are one of them is is love, and love is not just this, you know, noun that's flat that sits in a card. It's actually uh, an, an action, an energy, kind of a verb, a feeling, and what you were able to do with with you know Tony is be able to really exercise that verb to its full extent you know and the connection of what love means that when you have to build um kind of a foundation for somebody to rest in to give them an op- a safe place and it's not even that necessarily i mean that's so interesting i think i did get that from certain people in my life it wasn't even that it was om- it wasn't that safe and happy it was a little scary too yeah because everybody is, is not living in the same paradigm and not understanding. I, you asked me, was there a moment where you had clarity? I did have one very dark, dark day where I, I wasn't, I, I mean, at this point in my life, I was afraid to leave my backyard. Like, it, it, people don't believe me when I tell them because it was almost like I just evaporated here for my life. And then here I am, I'm back introducing Leslie Wolf. You know, like it was, it was, it was very, um, it was very isolating. And I have a very good friend named Susanna one day who insisted on, I remember this, I don't know why, she brought me a Chipotle burrito and made me get out of my house and sit in my backyard and, and eat it with her and sort of take in the sun and, and breathe and, and enjoy. And there was something about that particular moment where I felt like, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, And I know that sounds funny, like how can a burrito change your depression? But it was this kind of thing where it's like people won't let me slip away. And yes. without being dramatic, I mean, it's so funny now to talk about it because I am so back to myself, uh, plus a couple extra LBs. Uh, I, I'm so back to myself and so living again, it's hard to remember that time. But the friends that really cared about you really stuck through. But what's funny is, like I said before, the people that were really trying to help you, you'd feel the opposite feeling towards them. It was an interesting time. Yes. So you'd, you'd feel resentful towards people trying to help you. And even my baby daddy, who was doing everything in his, in his, you know, right mind, every, doing everything for me, I, everything was so confusing at that time because the wires were literally crossed. So, right. you know, A doesn't lead to B and B to A. It was like A to X and B to R. You know, like it didn't, yeah, yeah. it was, I had so much added compassion for people with actual depression during that time because I, I myself included, always had the feeling of like, oh, buck up, go for a run, you know. Right. You'll, you'll feel better. And it's just not like that. It's just not like that. No, and I think get that's... People get the blues, but having actual chemical depression where you need to have meds to, to, to get out of it, it is not a fun place to be. No, and I think... I think that what you're talking about really is a wonderful thing for people to understand on a lot of levels in that, you know, first of all, what women go through with postpartum depression, which even though people talk about it, I don't think there's enough compassion and support for it and understanding, you know, even um, not just from a society level, but um, at a personal level, because here's this beautiful baby and there's this expectation that 
even though you're tired, that there's supposed to be all this joy. And if you don't have that automatic reaction that people expect, they don't know what to do with it. That's but why. that's like feeling, that's like assuming that you're the same person you were before you had right. your baby and afterwards in terms of like, my only regret, not only, but my constant regret was that I couldn't be experiencing what I was experiencing as Leslie. Like I wasn't myself. Yes. So I was like, my daughter is such a voracious reader. She loves books. She loves, she's so just so brilliant. I remember when I had my postpartum, I'd sit there and literally I couldn't read a book without worrying that I'm not reading enough books and I'm not doing enough books that she doesn't have enough. It, it was such an exhausting place to, to marinate in because nothing could bring you joy. It was always worrying that it wasn't enough. So it was interesting. Yeah. It wasn't, and it wasn't like, it's so funny because a lot of, I guess the, most of the women I know who have postpartum that I speak to are comedians because they're the people in my group of, you know, that I hang out with. And, you know, a lot of people would think or say, um, oh, how sad, you know, her life is narrowing down. She doesn't get to do what she wants, so she's, she can't handle it or she's just that. It's not that. It's literally like the cereal boxes that Ralph's are talking to you. Like it's, and I'm sure, I don't know if my case was different than other people's. You know, they talk about the baby blues or, or feeling not yourself or feeling when you have a baby, your whole life becomes about them. So, of course, there's an identity shift and you lose that. But it, for me, it wasn't that. No. It was, it was, it was a, a out-of-body, not out-of-body experience, but a body-snatching experience. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think it just, you know, the whole thing talks to what, what we talk about as far as connection that um, even though you didn't feel it on your side as far as what, you know, friends and um, your loved ones are trying to do, they still were creating this kind of web of connection for you so that when you finally did have that one, you know, burrito moment where a <laughs> light came through it it wasn't just that one person, that one thing. There were all of these threads together that because you couldn't hold yourself up, they were holding you up, whether you knew it or not. You of know, course. To bring you back to kind of the surface of the water where you are now, that you came back to yourself. Um, and I can't even really, like, I remember my friend Jessica, who's a very dear old friend. Her feelings towards me were a mixture of a deep desire to help me and total fear of losing me. Like, I remember that feeling. Yeah. And I'm always the person who would do everything for everybody. Like, you can't do that, I'll do it. You can't do that, I'll do it. Let me do it. I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. At that point, I couldn't figure out how to turn on my computer. And I'm a casting director, right? So I couldn't fig- I couldn't remember a name. I couldn't figure out how to turn on my computer. I'd get hired for a job, and I wouldn't want to say no, but then I would take it. It would be like a total horror show. Mm-hmm. So... Now my brain is back, you know, times 10 to where it needs to be, and I can multitask, and I can remember names, and I can do all that kind of stuff. But for somebody who relies so much on her brain memory and creativity to not have access to it, it was almost like as if there's a black curtain put between you and your access to your skills. It's fascinating. I mean, I really am so fascinated by it, of course, fascinated in retrospect, horrified, during. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think you should definitely interview Angelina Spicer. She's a fantastic comedian who's doing a documentary about postpartum depression. Um, there's a part of me, it'll always be there, and I'll always want to educate or use humor as catharsis to talk about it, but there is a part of me that is happy to be away from it and to not dwell in it. You know what I mean? Not yes. Yes, for sure. be in it. Yeah. I, I think that it's such an important topic that there really needs to be like a roundtable 
sort of televised roundtable, probably with celebrities talking about it, because that's the only time people listen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, but it's good to talk. It's good to talk about it um, for yourself and your own experience because you know what that is a, a part of you. I mean, we're whole, you know. And when we can accept the parts of us that are not perfect, um, that's when we can be complete. Because that's the part then that gives you the empathy to be able to have connection with other people. Um, of course, and what's which, interesting is I'm very self analytical and oh, I'm very aware of my own patterns and things like that. My pattern historically has always been going for the biggest thing, failing and feeling you'll never getting it, then always getting the best and then repeating that pattern throughout my life. So it fits right into my pattern. Mm-hmm. It fits into the pattern of things every feel it feel like they're going to be perfect, then there's this huge life lesson, quote, failure that you learn from and then it ends up being the ultimate best thing anyway. So it's interesting. It's, yeah. it's the pattern as, as my little lady is if you could start hearing her playing with her electrical car right behind me. <laughs> it's, it's Saturday. Um, yeah, so, and it's also, an, it's everything's such an illusion. Like, it really is. It really is an illusion. I mean, and that, I think, is another really important thing to, um, you know, we work on that with breathwork, too, is that to not... Love your breathwork, by the way. I use it all the time. <laughs> I got I got to really? set up one with my friends at, at my house immediately because it's amazing. It really works. And it's, you know, it's about letting go of this idea of perfectionism and, um, you know, and just being much more kind to yourself and using your breath as a place to be able to hold space that you can clear out all those crazy thoughts that we think all day and, you know, connect to the highest thought that you have, which is really who, you know, your true self. Um, So what's going on next? When's your next show? What's happening? Well, of course, I'm back to teaching stand-up. And basically, my class is more than just teaching stand-up. It's teaching to tell your truth without apology, which is exactly what you just said. So Mm -hmm. I love this class so, so much. There's a show October 7th at 7 p.m. at the Improv, and it's got two of my special guest stars, Thomas Fowler and Pete Carboni, who I really, really love. But what I love about this class, there's a few women who are in their later years in, in this class, and I love that where... It's never too late to start. It's never too late to try. And nobody can tell you whether your story is worth listening to. Like, everybody who has a life is is interesting. So if anybody listening to this podcast would like to come October 7th, you can email me at lesliewolf at gmail.com, and I'll put you on the guest list. Most awesome. I hope that I have to check my schedule. I would love to come. I have to come finally to one of these things. It's so much fun. All right, my love. I'll let you get on with your day. Thank you for talking with me. That was a lovely talk. Thanks. And have a wonderful Saturday. Say hi to the fam. Okay. Bye. I'm Eileen Fine, and you have been listening to I Remember, a podcast about the power of reminiscing and mindful moments of connection. To learn more about the power of reminiscing and mindfulness to help you live your best life, visit us at thetinybalcony.com.